Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com. And yes, this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode five of the 2020 NFL Draft podcast series. College football is officially back. After the little teaser with uh, the week zero games with Florida and Miami and Arizona and Hawaii, the full slate of college football games are in the books. And let's talk about them. I was able to actually catch from UCLA and Cincinnati to Notre Dame and Louisville, a total of 27 games from Thursday to Monday. And uh, so that means year to date through week zero and week one, I've actually been able to see 55 of the 130 FBS programs play. That's 42% of the uh, total FBS programs after one week. Pretty happy about that. My goal at the end of the season is to watch at least one game beginning to end for every FBS program, one, all 130 teams really want to give myself a better perspective on where the talent is, where all the talent lies, not just in the power five, but also taking a look at all the group of five teams as well. So I think this was a, a season, you know, really you, you, some of the, the top prospects at each of the, uh, the positions really started separating themselves from the bunch. And uh, I think no better than, than Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Now, look, I had Tua as my number two quarterback behind Justin Herbert. But I'll tell you what, after he dismantled that Duke defense, granted, you know, the Blue Devils are not uh, the Auburn Tigers that Justin Herbert had to deal with. But look, Tua Tonga-Vailoa led him to victory, 42-3. to And in that performance... You know, Tua went 26-31 for 336 yards and four touchdowns, added five carries for 18 yards. And look, the, the poise in the pocket, I thought, was what was so impressive. They were putting pressure on him, and really what you want to take a look at is, is how do they perform under pressure? I talked about Baker Mayfield a couple of years ago, and that guy was as accurate, if not more accurate, when he was under pressure as he was with a clean pocket. Tua was the exact same way. You saw the total command of the offense. He knew exactly where the blitz was coming from. He was able to step up, slide away from the defense, keep the play alive, keep his eyes down the field, often finding Jerry Judy, who who caught 10 of those passes. So, you know, of the, the 26 completions, Jerry Judy had 10 of them for 137 yards and a touchdown. We'll talk about his performance here in a little bit when we cover the wide receivers. But, but Tua... You know, the, you talk about the anticipation, you talk about his ability to uh, anticipate throws, throw guys open, you know, that's all very important at the next level. And his ability to survey the defense, take what the defense gives him when he needs to, um, you know, and really take advantage of, you know, the, the speed that he had on, on, on his offense. You know, I, I thought the offensive line, that's one of the things to keep an eye on for Alabama. The offensive line is not the offensive line from a season ago or what we're really used to from some of the vaunted uh, Bama fronts. And, and a lot of that is due to some inexperience up front. Alex Leatherwood moving over to left tackle, although I did see him kick inside to guard and when uh, Matt Womack came in. Uh, Womack got to play a little bit there at, at tackle as well. But uh, along the interior... Uh, you know, you're going to see some growing pains there, and that's really, you know, what's Tua going to do? Tua last year had the injury and uh, had to deal with some of that, you know, and that's really the biggest concern that you have for Tua. But I, I thought he silenced any doubters, really made me a believer watching him manipulate the pocket like he did. I mean, he was really the 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 conductor out there, conducting an orchestra, really you know leading that team to to victory. And I thought that the performance was was very impressive and he's moving to number one in my 
uh, my, my top my top 10 on my quarterback list. You know, absolutely no doubt. Justin Herbert, 28-37, 242 yards, and, uh, and a touchdown there in the Oregon's 27-21 heartbreaking loss against the Auburn Tigers down in Dallas at Jerry's World. Uh, now, look, J- Justin Herbert... Absolutely. The physical skills are there. More accurate than Josh Allen when he was coming out of Wyoming. Um, you know, a guy who I thought showed showed tremendous poise in the pocket. Uh, I thought his offensive line overall did a pretty good job against that front uh, vaunted front four. I thought Derek Brown, uh, Derek Brown uh, definitely wreaked some havoc, uh, caused some problems there for uh, Jake Hansen and company up front. But Herbert being able to make plays on the run, you saw the the, the arm strength, didn't have to set his feet uh, a lot of times on the move, still keeping his eyes down the football field. Um, but there was some inconsistency there. You know, I, I thought, you know, even at the end of the game, time expires, you have a chance. Just let your guys make a, go up and make a play, and instead the ball sails out of the back of the end zone. I'm waiting for Justin Herbert to really grab hold of things, you know, especially in Pac-12 play. You know, you've got Washington, you, you've got some other teams in there, Utah especially, um, you know, who are going to be coming for, for Oregon, who are really the favorites right now for the Pac-12 title. I want to see him take, you know, take advantage of the situation and really, you know, lead his team to victory. Take things to the next level. See that killer instinct. And you know, I just I, I I haven't seen that. And I thought, you know, Oregon, they had the lead. They jumped out into a lead, you know, an early lead against Auburn, and they let Auburn back into the game. They really let the foot off the gas. You know, they had their their foot on the throat and really let 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 uh, let that off, and you know that's something that I really want to see more out of Justin Herbert. You know, on that, um, and I was you know left left a little disappointed, but you know the six six two hundred thirty thirty seven pound senior, he's coming back for a reason. You know, and and I think he can still get into uh, you know the Heisman talk. He can still potentially be the number one quarterback taken, and Oregon can still be in the college football playoff with only one loss. You know that Auburn Auburn team. Um, you know, ranked number 16, they've moved into the top 10, um, you know, but Oregon's going to have to win out and he's going to have to play really well if Oregon still wants a chance. Another guy I got to see was Jake Fromm, uh, the 6'2", 220-pound uh, junior, uh, and, you know, his Georgia Bulldogs dismantling Vanderbilt 30-6. Uh, to six. Not the not the most impressive day, you know, 15 to 23, 156 yards and a touchdown in the game. Um, but really, they were doing it on the ground. Um, you know, DeAndre Swift and uh, you know, James Cook, Brian Herrian, you know, the, the whole um, backfield was really just having a field day running all over Vanderbilt. And, uh, you know, but one of the things I thought was so impressive about Jake Fromm, the, the patience in the pocket, allowing his receivers to get open, um, you know, throwing his receivers open when he needed to. Uh, you know, you saw him putting it on a, you know, put his passes on a line, hitting his receivers in stride. But I think what really impressed me more than anything else were, were the pre, pre-snap reads, being able to read the defense, see what he had there was, you know, did we have a, you know, a two high safety, single high safety, you know, where's the blitz coming from? You know, where's my hot route? Uh, checking out of plays. Hey, you know what? We had a uh, pass call. We're calling a run or vice versa. You, you saw a lot of that going on at the line of scrimmage. And those are things that he's going to have to do at the next level. I think those intangibles are, are what makes Jake Fromm a potential first round pick, um, you know, because he doesn't have some of the physical abilities that some of the other guys have, but uh, he definitely has some of those intangibles. And sometimes that's, that, that's enough to get the job done at the next level. 
Now, K.J. Costello, 6'5", 222-pound junior. K.J. Costello took a big hit from Ernest Brown, the defensive tackle there for, for Northwestern, forearm to the head at the end of the first uh, first half on a slide. And, uh, you know, he's just in the in the beginning of his slide, Ernest Brown jumping over him, trying to, trying not to, you know, no malicious contact or anything like that. Um but uh, the forearm wound up hitting him in the head. He's out for the game against USC, who's breaking in a, a freshman quarterback, Ke- uh, Keaton Slovis, now that uh, JT, uh, JT Daniels is out for the year with a torn ACL and meniscus. But KJ Costello also will be out due to concussion. But, uh, you know, Costello prior to that, look, 16 to 20, 100. Uh, 152 yards and a touchdown in that game uh, showed a, an ability to to make plays with his legs as well. Um, you know, I, I thought he he did a really good job. Um, you know, putting some some passes on his on his receivers. Um, you know, a, a lot of when he was out, outside the pocket was really where he was making the plays. A lot of it, um, you know, when he was standing in the pocket, it seemed a lot of times he was rushing some of his throws. Um, some of them, he was leading receivers too far on crossing routes. You know, when you have a, a six, seven tight end, like Colby Parkinson, how do you overthrow that guy? Um, but, uh, you know, it happened, but, you know, he was one of those guys, he comes back to Parkinson, throws the ball up, allows his receiver to go up and get it, understanding who his receivers are, trusting his receivers to make plays. Um, you know, I'm kind of bummed that KJ's out, um, because, you know, I really want to see more consistency from him. You saw some flashes, you saw some really good throws, um, but, uh, I really want to see more of that consistency out of Jake Fromm. Uh, you know, Nate Stanley, look, we talk about consistency and, and really at the end of the day, if you're going to be a top uh, top quarterback, there's got to be the consistency. Nate Stanley out of Iowa, 6'4", 242 pounds. Look, Iowa beat the heck out of out of uh, Miami of Ohio, uh, 38-14. But the Red Hawks battling the Hawkeyes, um, you know, Nate Stanley, 21-30, 252 yards, three touchdowns on the day. And he's, he's another one who... Um, I thought you know he did a really good job standing tall in the pocket despite the the rush around him. Uh, threw a good fade pass to Brandon Smith for a touchdown. Showed some touch down the sideline, hitting the receiver in stride. Um, you know the deep ball accuracy uh, was really what was at issue for him. You know a lot of his short to intermediate routes. I thought he was solid, um, but the deep route that's really what what is concerning. And you've got a big strong arm quarterback like that, you're expecting him to be able to air the football out. And that's one of the areas where I thought he struggled. Uh, you know, another guy who I thought was inconsistent was Steven Montez out of Colorado. Um, you know, they're playing uh, the in-state rival, Colorado State. And uh, let's see, Montez over th- 300 yards. Um, but, uh, you know, it was one of those things to where, you know, he was pressure in his face and a lot of times he's throwing off his back foot. There was some inaccuracy there. Um, there were also times where the pressure wasn't even in his face and he was rushing passes, you know, really just, um, I, you know, the, the rush wasn't even there and he's rushing throws. Um, I thought when he got outside the pocket, he seemed to be a lot more comfortable. He's another guy, um, you know, he's a 6'5 quarterback, 235 pounds, but I thought looked really good uh, on the move. And when you get him in the pocket, you know, he was a little gun shy, especially with the pressure. And, you know, that's something that as the season goes along, I know Mel Tucker is going to want him to be able to hang in the pocket because that's really, you know, at the end of the day, that's where he's going to end up winning a lot of games for uh, for the Buffaloes is going to be there inside the pocket. 
Um, you know, Michigan's Shea Patterson, another guy, 17 to 29, uh, 203 yards, three touchdowns. But look, Shea Patterson starts off the game. Michigan's first play from scrimmage. What does Shea Patterson do? He fumbles. Four plays later, Middle Tennessee takes it in for six. Uh, you know, for the for the lead. I thought some of his ball security was definitely uh, questionable at times. Um, but he was someone who, you know, I, I thought I saw some some pretty good accuracy, especially on the move, keeping his eyes down the field despite the rush. Um, you know, I, I thought that he he looked. He's another one who was just inconsistent. You know, you'd see him make a great play, and then the accuracy, you know, he'd lose it. You know, and that's really where a lot of these guys are, are struggling is is with the the accuracy. You know, consistent. You know, the consistent accuracy. You know, on on play in and play out. You know, I I've, didn't get a chance to watch Wake Forest against Utah uh, Utah State, uh, and really wanted to see what Jordan Love could do against an ACC opponent. Uh, Jordan Love finished 33 of 48, 416 yards, three touchdowns on the day, but also had three interceptions. You know, that's something that's definitely concerning. You got to cut down on the mistakes. You know, that's something that really was a bugaboo for uh for Nate Stanley you know I really want to see what he's going to be able to do um throughout the season because he has a chance to be one of the top quarterbacks be a first round prospect you know a lot of it was about his touch and his his feel and and the accuracy but if he's making some of those uh those mistakes that's something that uh you know could come back to bite him uh when when things were all said and done you know I thought one quarterback you know again didn't get to see LSU play but if you just look at the stat lines, you know, yes, they're playing Georgia Southern, uh, 55 to three. But Joe Burrow, incredibly, incredibly uh, efficient, 23, 27, 278 yards, five touchdowns. So when you think about that, you know, Joe Burrow, um, you know, was a cast off, you know, from from Ohio State, and you see what he's doing now. Uh, there for LSU. LSU suddenly running, you know, a, more of a spread type offense. You know, through three of his touchdown passes to Terrace Marshall. Um, you know, I, I really want to see LSU uh, this week. You know, what they can do. Uh, are they going to be able to to beat Texas? I believe it's Texas A&M that they're playing, and uh, you know. That's going to be one of the matchups to watch, um, you know, as we get into some of the talking about some of the matchups. That'll be one to watch for sure. Joe Burrow has to move up the up the the, the charts there, as does a Pac-12 quarterback that we haven't mentioned yet. And this was a guy, you know, I wanted to pump the brakes on him just a little bit because a lot of people were already talking about, you know, uh, Jacob Eason. And I just I hadn't seen anything out of him, you know, in, in a couple of years since he was a true freshman at Georgia. You know, but he was 27 to 36, 349 yards, four touchdowns there for Washington. Granted, the 13 ranked Huskies beat Eastern Washington 47 14. Obviously, the Eagles being outmatched, but Jacob Eason, incredibly efficient from, from what I hear. You know, and so I'm going to be looking forward to seeing what Washington can do going forward in the Pac 12. Um, but, you know, Jacob Eason, another guy who I think definitely helped himself um, during the season. So, with that said, you know, we're, we're looking at, at our quarterbacks and you know, I, I think that that pretty much does it in terms of what we're looking at at the quarterback position. Um, you know, one, one quarterback who I thought really hurt himself more than anything else was, um, man, it was, um, Kelly Bryant out of out of Missouri. You know, this was a guy who was supposed to 
take his play to the next level. And we never really saw that, you know, uh, in, in Missouri's loss. You know, Missouri losing to, you know, really a middle-of-the-road uh, Mountain West team in, in Wyoming. And, and Kelly Bryant, you know, I thought the accuracy just wasn't there. Um, you know, he was tremendous with his legs, but he finished 31 of 48. Yes, he threw for 423 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. But look, when you've got, um, you know, all SEC talent around you, like Larry Roundtree, Al, uh, Albert Oweboonam, they brought in Jonathan Nance from Arkansas as a, as a grad transfer as well. Uh, you know, you should be able to make some some more plays than what he was able to accomplish there at, at Missouri. Um, you know, and I think Mizzou, you know, if Kelly Bryan is, is having the type of games that he that he was showcasing there um, in this first game, if that was any indication, uh, Missouri's in for a long season. You know, this is the guy that you're bringing in as the grand transfer, as the guy that was really supposed to step out, and you just didn't see that. Um, you know, I thought that was a, a little disappointing for me. And then I think one of the guys, you know, the surprise performance uh, for me really was, you know, and I, you know, su- surprisingly enough, was Jalen Hurts out of out of OU. And you're going to say, well, why why would that be so surprising? You know, this was a guy who at one point had only one interception, you know, in his sophomore season there at Alabama. Well, you know, I, I think for me, what I was really waiting for with, with Jalen Hurts, you know, is the ability to make the right reads. You know, I thought that he, he wasn't always you know, really needing to against Houston. Uh, OU really took it to him and, you know, spread the football around. And, you know, I thought, you know, he was, he was doing a lot and really attacking defenses with his legs. Um, you know, he was efficient throwing the football. But again, when you look at him just a few months ago, he was the cast off from Alabama and nobody was talking about him as a legitimate pro prospect. Look, I live in Oklahoma City. I've been listening to the guys, the local guys on the radio. Everyone is now talking about him as a legitimate first round prospect for the NFL draft. Let's pump the brakes on that just, just a little bit. Let's wait and see if he can put together a string of, of games. Can he actually show us that he can throw the football down the field? I haven't really seen a lot of that yet. And I want to be able to see, can he push the football down down the field? Is he going to be able to do that? If he can, then okay. You know, let's start having those conversations. But I haven't been able to see that with any regularity um, out of, out of uh, you know, Jalen Hurts. And he's got a, you know, a newer offensive line in front of him. So we'll also be able to see what he can do when he's under pressure. Um, but, you know, the NFL, granted, you know, the NFL is moving to, uh, the, the style of offense where he could really thrive. You know, you see Cliff Kingsbury out there, you know, and, and uh, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Jalen Hurts. I'll probably move him into my top 10. There are some guys up there who I think have kind of faltered a little bit. So yeah, I'll move Jalen Hurts into my, into my top 10, but you know, he's, he's not going to be, um, you know, I'm not talking about him as, as a first round prospect, at least not yet. You know, I, I think he's somebody right now, if you talk about a guy like Dak Prescott, the Dak Prescott was the athlete. You know, I've always said he's an athlete who was playing quarterback up until his senior season when he became a quarterback who just happens to be a great athlete. You saw the difference in how he was reading defenses and, and the precision throwing, throwing guys open. And, and that's what I want to see from Jalen Hurts. Can he make that really, that, that jump, uh, if you will, at, at the, you know, the, the season there and, and his first and only season with, with the Sooners. If you look at the running backs, uh, you know Jonathan Taylor, I thought had a dominant performance for for Wisconsin. 
you know, and, and he, he's definitely going to be the, uh, you know, one of the guys that's going to be most talked about. I thought, you know, when I watched him play there on Friday, um, he was just, he was a burner. He was a guy who I thought um, just showed, showed an ability to get, get to the outside um, and, and the speed, you know, you saw the sprinter speed, the 10, 4, 100 meter speed. Uh, you know, this guy ran the second leg in the four by one for Wisconsin at the Penn relays for goodness sakes, you know, but the power between the tackles and guess what? He's starting to catch the football out of the backfield. You know, this guy could be a complete back. I think I got to move him up in my rankings. I put DeAndre Swift ahead of Travis Etienne and Jonathan Taylor, mostly because DeAndre Swift was a more proven receiver. But, you know, if Jonathan Taylor is catching the ball out of the backfield, Travis Etienne getting the ball, you know, in the passing game a little bit from Trevor Lawrence, then, uh, you know, I think those two guys probably are the best athletes in the draft. So I think you could probably end up seeing them moving up the draft boards a little bit, and I'll probably end up having to move them both ahead of DeAndre Swift. Look, DeAndre Swift didn't do anything wrong to, to hurt his cause. You know, he rushed for over, I think it was uh, 135 yards on the day, showed some good power. His stiff arm is, is you know, ridiculous, uh, has some pretty good lateral quickness and lateral agility as well. Um, but I, I thought the running back that really impressed the most, um, outside of, obviously, Jonathan Taylor and his speed um, and his, his ability to, to run between the tackles. But uh, how about Zach Moss out of Utah? Zach Moss, to me, I, I thought really solidified himself as a, a top three or four running back in this year's draft. A big kid, 5'10", 220 pounds. Yes, he injured his knee a, you know, a season ago, but this was a guy who just seemed to be running through people. There was a jump cut you know, at the line of scrimmage as well to avoid a defensive tackle. Um, you know, patient to wait for the hole um, and really just exploded through the hole after that. Um, you know, I, I think he's somebody who just showed um, some pretty good, you know, just subtlety to, to some of his moves. There was a jab, subtle jab step uh, without having to slow down, juked out the safety, got a, a big gain out of that. Um, 622 yards after contact in just nine games a season ago. And, and I think that really speaks to, you know, the type of runner that he is. You know, 23 carries, 187 yards and a touchdown, two receptions for seven yards for Zach Moss. Zach Moss, to me, is is one of the guys that people really aren't talking about. And I think now he's proven that he is back in 100%. And he's really going to be a guy to watch out for. Um, I thought a couple of other guys, you know, Michael Warren out of Cincinnati, he's still a top 10 back to me. Um, you know, a guy who is big, he's physical, he runs guys over, and also has pretty good hands at, in the passing game. You know, I thought Keyshawn Vaughn didn't really get a chance to showcase what he could do against Georgia. I think he really, you know, the, the whole offense struggled to get things going. Trey Sermon out of OU, uh, 11 carries for 91 yards in that contest. Um, you know, really a, a big physical back. Uh, for OU, and uh, if you bear with me as I'm pulling my notes up for for Trey Sermon, you know I, I thought he showed a good burst. I thought some good cut, you know, the vision and his cutback ability showed a little bit of wiggle in the open field as well, making the first man miss without losing any speed. Um, again, vision, um, you know, very strong, difficult to bring down as a runner. Um, so I thought Trey Sermon definitely helped himself as well. Um, if we're talking about the running backs. You know, we talk about the receivers. Obviously, Jerry Judy, 
look, you know, some of the moves were next level type moves. You know, he, he'd catch the football. You know, there's one play where he caught the ball right around the line of scrimmage, had his back to the, the defensive back and uh, just kind of slow played things a little bit, you know, kind of jab step towards the inside and then loop back around to the outside. And then the burst ran away from the defender down the sideline for about 13, 14 yards. Uh, you know, when it looked like he may only have a couple of yards out of it. Uh, just a guy who is so explosive. He's a guy, you know, you usually have a guy who's quicker than fast or, or or faster than quick. You know, the guys that can either run, run the vertical routes or the guys that can run the precision routes. Um, you don't have guys very often that are so sudden in and out of their breaks and can be vertical at the same time. Uh, Jerry Judy's a special guy, and uh, you know he's definitely going to be a you know a top five, top ten talent for for the draft. I thought C.D. Lamb showcased his his uh, uh, his length and his ability to catch pa- uh, you know the, the catch radius. So that was something that jumped out to me. Uh, C.D. Lamb. Uh, let's see, third straight game with a touchdown. Last year he had a string of seven games with a touchdown. It was a 45-yard touchdown, ran a vertical route up the seam, busted coverage, he was wide open. Um, you know, look, you know, really what, what you're going to see out of OU is, you know, as the season progresses and they start playing some more difficult opponents um, and, and better defenses, that's really where CeeDee Lamb's going to shine. That's what you saw when, when Marquise Brown went down to injury. Um, CD Lamb had to step up. They were really relying on him at that point, and I thought that that was really where he stepped up. So I'm expecting to see that out of CD Lamb as the season progresses. Uh, really see him start to step up and really solidify himself as a first round receiver. You know, another guy um, who I, I think people aren't really giving him as much credit as they should be, and that is is obviously Lavisca Chenault out of Colorado, right? Six two, two hundred twenty five pounds. Uh, reminds me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, and people talked about Juju not being the fastest guy by any means, but a very physical receiver. Um, you know, LaVisca Chenault is very physical. He's a guy who who's going to stiff arm, you know, throw the, sh- the, the stiff arm. You know, don't try to jam this guy. He's going to run through it. He's going to run by you. Stiff arms on the outside, like I said, very powerful. A guy who's not afraid to go over the middle. Um, you know, and he, he's got a little bit of wiggle to him as well. Um, LaVisca Chanel is a big play guy, and teams made a mistake with Juju Smith-Schuster not taking him in round number one because of the 40. Um, LaVisca Chanel, though, to me, I, I thought solidified himself as a first-round receiver. Uh, Henry Ruggs, only a couple of catches for 14 yards. Didn't really get to see him do a whole lot there uh, for Alabama. But let's talk about Tylen Wallace, shall we? Um, taking it on the Beavers. So basically you had OSU versus OSU, Oklahoma State taking on Oregon State. And Tylen Wallace, I thought, solidified himself as a top five wide receiver. Um, you know, I, I didn't have him in my top five. I left him just out of it at number seven. Um, you know, obviously there, there's, you know, I think that speaks to the strength of this, this receiving core in, uh, in this draft class. You know, when you're talking about Jerry Judy and you're talking about CeeDee Lamb and LaVisca Chenault, T. Higgins, Jalen Rager, uh, Henry Ruggs, Tylen Wallace deserves to be in that conversation. And, and you know, I, I think some of those names at the top of that list may end up falling down uh, just a little bit because of, of the play of Tylen Wallace. He's only six foot, 185 pounds, but he plays much bigger than his size. And, and I think, you know, you saw that uh, time and time again, um, you know, accelerating from defenders, you know, taking the screen 
um, and splitting his wide receiver blocks and getting up the field. Um, you know, really did a, a good job, you know, just plucking the ball out of the air, showing, showcasing those hands, the hands catcher. That's really what you want to see out of a receiver. You don't want to see the body catching. And then, man, if you get a chance to watch the sluggo that he ran, so precise with the route, ran to five yards, um, you know, really kind of on a slant, and then cut back out to the outside, got up uh, towards the end zone, elevated, high point of the football, um, really boxing out the safety, um, you know, or I'm sorry, going up with the with the the corner, boxing the corner out as the safety's coming over. So really, two receivers around him, or two defensive backs around him, um, and then the body control along the sideline as well. Tylen Wallace, look, he's going to be a next level receiver and, and a guy that people need to be talking about more and more. I thought one guy who really hurt himself was Tyler Johnson. You know, Minnesota struggled to to beat. South Dakota State, and, and I thought Tyler, uh, Tyler Johnson really struggled there, had a couple of drops. He's going to have to redeem himself if he, you know, these this draft class with the receivers, there are so many guys. Cedric Bird had a great game for Hawaii. If you don't have great games, game in and game out, you're going to get left in the dust. Um, so I think he really is going to have to rebound, especially as they start going into Big Ten play. Uh, you know, the tight end position, you know, Albert Owe Boonham showed his ability to catch the football uh, there for the Tigers, was really a a, a weapon for uh, Kelly Bryant in the passing game. Um, you know, that was one of the things that I, I thought kind of stood out to me was, you know, uh, Kelly Bryant could rely on Albert O. Uh, three receptions, 72 yards, a guy who did a really good job on crossing routes coming over the middle, um, you know, just – uh, took apart defenses, you know, the defense there in the middle. Um, you know, Bryson Hopkins had a big game for for Purdue. I thought Matt Bushman there at BYU, over 60 yards receiving. He's another guy to keep an eye out for. I think his stock is going to move up. I thought Mitchell Wilcox, you know, a little disappointing. Um, you know, and, and Colby Parkinson, you know, I thought he was kind of up and down. Uh, definitely a, a tremendous receiver with this size, but you want to see him do better as a blocker. So I, I think Matt Bushman's a guy who's going to start moving up boards. Grant Calcaterra is another Mark Andrews type out of coming out of OU, and then Jared Pinkney is a pretty pretty consistent and solid tight end there for Vanderbilt. Now the offensive tackle position, I thought there was you know things got shaken up just a little bit. You know you've got Walker Little out of Stanford, um, who's going to be out until mid season with with a leg injury, and he's somebody who I thought you know he's one of the top tackles in the draft. In this draft class, he's only a junior. He could still come back uh, for his senior season. And the thing that I think for him, you see the finesse, his ability to to slide uh, effortlessly, effortlessly uh, laterally. You know, as a as a pass projector, um, but you didn't see much power in his game, and you still didn't see that in, in Stanford's win over over Northwestern when he was playing. Um, you know, I, I wanted to see more from him in terms of some of that power, and you really didn't get to see that. And so, you know, that's one of the things that I was a little disappointed um, that I didn't get to see some of uh, some of his play there. And then I thought another guy um, who really, you know, 
could come back again for for a senior season was was Alaric Jackson. He went down to a knee injury. Uh, sounds like he's he will come back at some point during the season. You know, I thought that he showed a, a decent uh, decent job uh, moving laterally, doing a good job getting his hips around in the running game as well, uh, generating a little bit of movement. Six six, three hundred twenty uh, twenty pound junior uh, Alaric Jackson uh, going down, uh, got rolled up on um, in in the first quarter. And uh, that really led the way for, for Tristan Wirfs. You know, Tristan Wirfs is 6'5", 322 pounds, um, and just a, a beast uh, there at, at right tackle. And I thought what was really impressive about Tristan Wirfs was not only was he playing right tackle in this game, but he also moved over to left tackle when Jackson went down to injury. Kind of moved back and forth uh, between the two positions, which isn't the easiest thing to do. Um, you know, I thought he showed excellent power in his hands, um, you know, just a guy who was just manhandling defensive ends on, on the outside. Um, but at the same time, he showed really good uh, lateral quickness. You know, that was one of the things that was so impressive. Everyone knows about his power. Everyone knows about his, uh, his physicality, his, uh, his strength. Hand cleaning, you know, 450 pounds four times, breaking Brandon Sheriff's school record of four, uh, 443 pounds three times. Brandon Scherf, uh, when it came down to it, was the number five overall pick of the Washington Redskins and is now playing guard for them. I thought Tristan Wirfs, he's been able to show that he can play left tackle. You know, I thought the footwork was good. I thought he was a guy who was able to move laterally very well. And then look, the, the strength and the power, obviously, in the running game, you know, that, that's something that um, you know, I think it's going to be beneficial for him there. I thought being able to play left tackle, being able to show that he can slide with with edge rushers, you know, on both sides of the of the line, really bodes well for him. And uh, I think he really solidified himself as the number two tackle in this draft. And if I were were Andrew Thomas, you know, I'd make sure that I'm having a great game, game in and game out, because there there's no surefire. You know, he's not a surefire number one tackle in this draft. You know, I, I thought what he did. Uh, in the run game, he and Solomon Kinley were just caving in the left side of the line, just driving guys down the line. Um, showed a really good job climbing to the next level, uh, you know, to the linebackers, um, sealing them off, uh, showing really good, really good agility, being able to do that. Um, a couple of times he overset and defensive ends were able to shoot inside. Wanted to see that power step. Didn't really see that out of him. Quarterback was pressured as a result. Um, but really drives his man, um, opening some big holes for DeAndre Smith, uh, DeAndre Swift, um, you know, awareness to block down on the defensive end and then swing back around to pick up the linebacker. Um, you know, you saw some of the nastiness to his game. You know, he's 6'5", 320, the arm length, you know, might be something that you might be worried about a little bit with, with Andrew Thomas. So I, I think those are the two guys that have solidified themselves at the top. Uh, Calvin Throckmorton, I thought, you know, was okay against Auburn. Um, you know, he, there, there wasn't anything that stood out, I think, on tape for him. He he was effective both as a pass protector and as a blocker. I thought, um, you know, Marlon Davidson struggled uh, at times to, to get off of uh, off of his block. So I thought that was something that um, stood out for me that I do remember uh, was – if I can get back to my note here on on Throckmorton was, um, you know, I, I I thought he did a decent job blocking Derek Brown when he had a chance to uh, control Big Cat Bryant. You know, during the game, I thought moved very well laterally, generated some movement in the running game as well. I thought he was 
he was the most consistent of the Oregon uh, offensive linemen in that game. Um, you know, Liam Eikenberg for Notre Dame, 6'6", 305. Here's the deal with Liam Eikenberg. Uh, you know, I, I think he can play. You know, I, I think he's a, a solid left tackle um, you know, and a guy who's going to get drafted. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure, though, if he's going to be a, a you know, some, someone taken in the first two days. You know, I saw some, some strange footwork. You know, I, I saw him taking some steps backward. Uh, against the defensive end and pass protection, you know, looked a little weird. Um, he seemed to be falling over a lot, losing his balance quite a bit. Showed that he can mirror the defensive end laterally. Um, you know, quick out of out of his stance, but again, not a deep kick slide. Had to open up. That was one of the things that you really saw. A lot of the speed rushers, he was having a hard time. Um, you know, and the kick slide. You know, a lot of you know, just very. You know, he'd either have the kick slide going laterally instead of at an angle. Or there wouldn't be much depth to it at all, and you know that's concerning. And you know, really, when you're watching Liam Eikenberg there against Louisville, you know they didn't have to take advantage of it against him. Um, you know, Makai Becton in that game as well. You know, the six-seven, three hundred sixty-nine pound mammoth left tackle for the Cardinals. I think what was frustrating more than anything else watching him was how many times he ended up on the ground. All the cut blocks. You know, it seemed like he was he was diving in and, and the cut block left and right. I wanted to see what he could do against Julian Aquara, but it seemed like more often than not he ended up blocking defensive tackles more so than getting out on the edge against the the defensive ends. Definitely showed good pop. Uh, I'm sorry, good pop in his hands, some good power, um, good long you know long arms. Um, you know, did a really good job just shoving Khalid Kareem all over the field on on several run plays. Um, so I, I thought Beckton helped himself a little bit there in the game. Um, you know, Sean or Shane Lemieux, if we're talking about the guards, um, they're against uh, the interior of that line. When he was matched up against Tyrone Truesdale, the the other defensive tackle, I thought he did a much had a much better showing than against Derek Brown. I thought Derek Brown was a guy who was just shoving him all over the field. That's really where he struggled. I mentioned Solomon Kinley. He's not even in my top ten, but he will be um, because of the, the power. He picked up the defensive end uh, from from uh, Andrew Thomas, really drove him to the middle of the field. Um, so powerful with the hands, like I said. Um, lo- you know, locked up the defensive tackle, threw him to the ground, uh, climbed out to the left uh, to the linebacker, uh, drive block there, sustained his uh, his blocks till the whistle. Showed a mean streak, 6'4", 335 pounds. He's a guy who has to move up draft boards um, after a performance like that. Yes, Georgia. Um, it was playing Vanderbilt, but you know that is an SEC opponent, you know, and and so that has to has to count for something, absolutely. Now Ben Bredesen, you know, I think he's the number one guard in this draft, uh, six five, three hundred twenty five pounds. Um, he was just looking to uh, to just punish guys in, in that game. You know, I thought he was very under control, climbing to the next level, really good punch, leverage under the pad level, good drive blocker. Um, you know, quick pulling, um, setting the edge there for for the running back for for Zach Charbonnet. Um, you know, I thought he did a really good job allowing the running back to get to the perimeter, um, sustaining his blocks at the at the second level, finishing those blocks as well. So he offers a mean streak as well. Um, so I that was really what kind of stood out to me. Um, you know, at at the guard position, you know, Alex Leatherwood uh, struggled at times with speed rush. 
Um, good hand placement, but you know, I think for Alex Leatherwood, his home is going to be at guard. Uh, Tommy Kramer, kind of an up-and-down game. Uh, there were times where he really looked solid and, and drive blocking. Uh, there were other times where, where Tommy Kramer was getting beat by defensive tackles with speed on the inside. Uh, you know, Trey Smith out of Tennessee, Tennessee, man, uh, you know, that, that loss against Georgia state, um, you know, uh, he's six, six, 325 pounds. The junior cleared after, after the blood clots and, uh, he's a natural fit at guard. You know, he played left tackle for the Vols until the blood clots and was a starter in every game. Didn't start in this game, but I watched him play, and he's someone who, you know, it, you, you can see the athleticism. You can see what he can do at the guard position. I think that's going to be, um, you know, a spot where he's ultimately going to get drafted high. He's a top 50 pick. I think Ben Bredesen, top 50 pick. Shane Lemieux's got to tighten up his game a little bit, but he could be a top 50 pick there at the guard position. Those were the guys that I was really watching um, watching for, and I thought they all stepped up and played well. Um, you know, I think when you look at the center position, um, you know, what stood out to me, Tyler Biotis, um out of Wisconsin, you know, a natural knee bender, a, a guy who was so athletic, was a lead blocker for, for Jonathan Taylor, reminded me a lot of Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M. Uh, Creed Humphrey showing the wrestler ability in him, um, you know, played with leverage throughout the game there against Houston, 6'5", 315-pound redshirt sophomore. Uh, Jake Hansen, um, you know, look, Jake Hansen had probably the toughest test of any of the centers uh, that are coming out for the draft. And, uh, you know, I thought he held his own. I thought he had some good tape at times against Derek Brown. Um, but when you're going up against a guy who's arguably the number one defensive tackle in the draft class, you know you're going to, to have, your, have your hands full. Now, Jay uh, Hansen, you know, he did a good job um, getting his hips around at times, being able to, to seal him off. But uh, a lot of times you saw him whiffing on, on, on Brown, um, who would just show a quick arm over off the snap and, and beat him really quickly. Um, if he wasn't matched up against Derek Brown, like I said, with, with Shane Lemieux, kind of the same thing. Tyrone Truesdale and, and some of the other ta- defensive tackles for Auburn, I thought Jake Hansen did a decent job. Um, you know, but he's someone who, you know, you're going to, teams I think are going to keep an eye on him as the season progresses. What's he going to do after a performance like this? So then if we take a look at the defensive side of the football, you know, when you're talking about defenses and and guys who are going to make plays, playmakers and guys that you want to talk about potentially taking in the, in the top half of the, of the first round, possibly as a top 10 pick, should they, you know, they should be playmakers. They should be guys who are uh, affecting every single play. You need to know where they are on the field at all times. Now, when you talk about defensive ends, you know, I thought, you know, for me, when you watch, Chase Young play for Ohio State, he solidified himself as a top five pick. Uh, two sacks in that game. You know, this was a guy who was from the, the the first snap, the first play from scrimmage, he was wreaking havoc. You know, he's gained 20 pounds. He's now 6'5, 265. Uh, the speed off the ball, just running around. And yes, I know they were playing Florida Atlantic, but still he made an impact. You know, we're gonna talk about AJ Epinesa here in a minute. Um, you know, I thought he did a great job dipping his shoulder, flipping his hips, easily uh, running around the edge, running the arc, running by the right tackle, and the speed to chase down the quarterback from behind, running, chasing him all the way down outside the numbers, um, hit the quarterback on one play, forced fumble with with uh, Jay Sean Cornell. 
Um, you know, he did a good job. You know, he even dropped into coverage a little bit. So you saw some of that athleticism there. Engages the left tackle, then a good rip off the ball. Ran by the, the running back block, sacked the quarterback for a second time. Um, you know, don't you know, you think running his way, um, you're going to be able to, to negate some of that speed, but he showed some power. He was able to show that left, shove the left tackle aside and drop the running back for no gain. Uh, to me, I thought Chase Young really, really cemented himself as the number one um, defensive end. You know, AJ Epinesa, on the other hand, you know, you saw some of the power. You saw some of the athleticism. You saw him being able to to dip his shoulder and, and run the arc, but he's going up against Miami o, of Ohio, and he, he's not going to you know. Yes, Parker Hesse's gone, Anthony Nelson's gone as well, but he's got Chauncey Golston as his running mate. He's playing next to to Cedric Lattimore and Brady Reef up front, so he's got a formidable front four that's going you know that's running with him, and you just didn't see AJ Epinesa make the type of impact that you wanted to see. You know, I, I thought Daryl Taylor out of, out of Tennessee, I was waiting for him to, you know, Tennessee, that, that team as a whole, there was just kind of a lackluster performance from from really everyone there for the Vols wearing, wearing the orange and, and white. You know, you're just, you're waiting for somebody to to make plays. And when you're playing that waiting game, you're never getting that performance. You know, that's really where things kind of get frustrating. Um, you know, I thought Yitro Gross Matos on, on the flip side. Yes, they're playing... Uh, Idaho, but you're expecting big plays, and you're expecting guy, you know, uh, th- these guys to uh, make an impact, and he made an impact. Two and a half sacks on the day. Uh, really utilized his his length. He's got some long arms. He's 6'5", 264 pounds. Um, you know, he was initially blocked on one play, but used his hands. You know, that's one of the things that I thought was impressive. I I didn't realize that that Gross Matos had had those hands, able to get off the block. Um, you know. Hips quickly turning, um, able to, to close on the quarterback uh, to get a sack, uh, able to come off the edge untouched, showing tremendous uh, closing speed to get to the quarterback, even moved inside the defensive tackle, and the burst off the ball, ran right by the, uh, the, the guard to drop the quarterback for yet another sack, two and a half sacks, like I said, on the day. Yitro Gross Matos, I thought, definitely helped himself. Um, let's see, Kenny Willekes. Man, this is a guy who just plays with his hair on fire. Reminds me a lot of, of Chase Winovich. Um, I think he has a chance to be a first-round pick, though. The guy was just all over the place. Um, just unblockable. You know, He was so quick coming off the edge at, at times. And uh, I don't think teams really... I think they underestimate some of his quickness and some of his speed coming off the ball. He just seemed to be all around making plays, whether it was against the running back in the run game or you know affecting the quarterback in the passing game. Showed excellent hands and ability to get off blocks. You know, I thought Joe Gaziano out of, out of uh, Northwestern more than held his own against Walker Little. Uh, you saw him using his length as well. Uh, had a little bit more bend than I was expecting to see out of him at 6'4", 275 pounds. Uh, excellent uh, strength there at the point of attack as well. Um, so those were the guys that kind of stood out at the defensive end position. I know Curtis Weaver didn't get to watch the Boise State game, but he had three tackles and a sack on the day. Um, so he's one of those guys who I have actually penciled in as one of the top uh, edge rushers. And uh, you know he's going to push guys like A.J. Epinesa you know, to have big seasons. Now, if we move to the, def- the defensive tackle position, I think we got to talk about Derek Brown. Derek Brown, 6'5", 
325 pounds. Now remember, Christian Wilkins came back for his senior season there at Clemson. You know, to to play alongside some of his brothers uh, there for one more go round, and really Derek Brown's getting to do the same thing with Marlon Davidson, Nick Coe, Big Cat Bryant, and company. Um, but I think really what always stands out for me with him was, is always the power in his hands. I think you know he's able to strike his offensive lineman that's sitting in front of him and really uh, get him off balance. But I think what really stood out too was the quick burst. You know, shooting those a gaps, using a quick arm over to win early against Jake Hansen, not really allowing Hansen to get his hands on him. And, uh, you know, he really extended into, in the Dallas Warmack, the right guard, moved him back with a nice bull rush. Um, you know, just really doing that um, play after play, you know, would drive Warmack back, uh, able to use his hands to get off the block and then really pursue the quarterback after that. Uh, really had his way um, with the interior of the Oregon line. Raquan Davis, you know, he's somebody who I think has to have a big year. Had six tackles on the game. You know, really showed some good speed um, from the backside. Um, you know, and that's something that, you know, for a guy his size, again, 6'7", 316 pounds, you know, being able to chase down ball carriers from behind, uh, that's pretty impressive stuff. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, you know, South Dakota, or I'm sorry, South Carolina, had a, their struggles there against North Carolina. Mac Brown, uh, return of the Mac as they'd like to say there at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, uh, 24-20 winners, um, you know, the, the Tar Heels over the Gamecocks. Um, you know, but Javon Kinlaw, you know, affecting the game in all, all facets, you know, his, his ability to block a, um, a, a field goal, got full extension on that, um, uses his hands well to get off blocks, um, you know, really extended his arms, be able to disengage, get to the outside, Um his biggest thing, I think, is is really getting too high at times. If he gets his pad level too high, that offensive uh, offensive lineman, especially when he's lining up in nose tackle, that center is getting lower than him, and uh, low man wins, gets underneath him, and and really he loses any of that leverage. That's really where he he lost some of his effectiveness up front. Um, you know, Mustafa Johnson uh, didn't really get to see a whole lot out of him there at Colorado, uh, but I thought Raquan Williams was definitely a guy who was wreaking havoc both against the run and the pass more so against the run though. I think he's going to be a guy, um, you know, what you worry about at the defensive tackle position, guys like Jaron Reed and a Robinson for Alabama a few years ago. Those were guys who were primarily known as run stuffers more than anything else. Right? So if you're known more as a run stuffer, you know, you want a guy and that's really what the next level is looking for are guys who can get after, um, you know, both the quarterback and also affect, uh, um, you know, affect the run at the same time. So he's going to have to prove that he can get after the quarterback on a consistent basis if uh, if he's going to want to be drafted or have a chance to be drafted in round number one. Um, he'll probably fall as a midday pick, or I'm sorry, midday two pick for at, for the time being. Lecky Fotu, 6'5", 327. Um, you know, definite power in his hands. That's one of the things that you saw. He was double teamed um, inside quite often, but was not easily driven back. I thought that's one of the things I have written here uh, a, num- a number of times in my notes. Uh, showed good pursuit skills, though. They're able to chase down the the, rece- uh, the quarterback, wrap him up. Um, you know, I thought he lowered his right shoulder, uh, get a good bull rush, really blowing up a play. 
um, you know, push the, le- the left guard back there at BYU, uh, run play away from him. Um, running back was strung out, was able to pursue from the backside to drop him for a loss of one yard. I thought Lecky Fotu, you know, again, another guy, is he going to be able to affect uh, the, the pass and, and get after the quarterback? I thought he showed some of that. He showed some ability, like I said, you know, pursuing the quarterback from the backside. Um, that's really what stood out to me. Ole Miss went down to Memphis, um, but watching that game, I wanted to see what Benito Jones was going to be able to do, um, you know, he was throwing throwing guys down a little bit, um, you know. At, at times, uh, the screenplay and uh, you know one of the things that he was able to do threw the through the center down, hauled in the pick um, that was thrown thrown basically right to him. Um, not really sure what uh, what the Memphis quarterback, what Brady White was doing there, but uh, you know he fires off the ball low out of his stance. Uh, he's somebody who I think is going to continue to rise up draft board. 6'1", 329 there for Ole Miss. Um, if we look at the the linebacker position, you know, if Dylan Moses, now that he's down um, and out for the year, you know, a guy who could potentially step up, you know, is, is Kenneth Murray uh, out of Oklahoma. Um, you know, a guy who I thought showed much better anticipation, um, trusting his eyes a lot more. I thought he did a really good job playing inside out against the run, able to get, uh, you know, set the edge a little bit, you know, show some contain and force running backs back to the inside. And when they make that plant and cut, he was able to stay under control and and drop those guys. But here's the thing with Kenneth Murray. I I still see some of his plays down the field. Um, you know, when, when he's making some of those tackles, you know, that's, uh, Yes, he had I think 15 tackles on the on the game, but not all of those those tackles were made around the line of scrimmage. Um, I thought he played you know, was out of place at, at times, shooting the wrong gaps, um, allowing Houston to have some big run plays at times. Um, you know, he's not the only one though that uh, you know would be out of position, and I thought that was Troy Die there uh, for Oregon against Auburn. He was another guy. I think he had 15 tackles as well. Um, but a lot of them were made down the field, wasn't really in position to make plays. And so, yes, he's a volume tackler, but I didn't see him very effective in the in the passing game like you know I was expecting to see out of him. Kind of disappointed. Now, the guy, I didn't get to see him play, but you know the guy, I, I want to see that Utah State-Wake Forest game. David Woodward, man, what did this guy do? You know, he had a couple of forced fumbles um, on the day, but he had 24 tackles all over the field. He's a guy, to me, he trusts his eyes. He's athletic. He can play in all facets of the game. Uh, 6'2", 230 pounds. That junior, to me, I think he's solidifying himself as a day two pick and a guy who's going to fly under the radar. A lot of people are talking about some of these other guys. I thought Patty Fisher, kind of an up and down game. He's definitely a a straight line player, but I don't know if he can drop into coverage. Uh, Marcus Bailey there for Purdue. Um, you know, Purdue getting upset by, by Nevada, 6'1", 240 pounds. He was somebody I really wanted to see, you know, make plays in the passing game. He kind of uh, disappeared at times. I thought Joe Bocce, um, you know, played well for, for Michigan State. Um, let's see, we've already talked about Shaq Quarterman uh, struggling in the passing game in, uh, in week zero. Um, let's see. Outside linebackers, Julian Aquara got a sack, um, but he wasn't as effective as I was expecting him to be. Uh, Anthony Jennings, you know, was playing you know, when they had a four-man front. 
he was playing outside linebacker. You know, didn't really see him do that much as a four-three outside linebacker. You saw him put his hand in the dirt quite a bit, um, but uh, you know you got to see him play in space. Got to see him cover a little bit. Still using the long arms to get it into the passing lane. Still showed an ability to to come off the edge. Uh, just want to see him make more of an impact. I thought Carter Coughlin. Um, you know, he looked slow against South Dakota State. It was really kind of a head scratcher. I was expecting to see more out of him. Um, he was someone who just, I was expecting to see the plays, um, but he was even struggling to get off tight end blocks. So I don't know if he was injured, if there were any issues going on there. But, uh, you know, Carter Coughlin, 6'4", um, 245 pounds, uh, was really struggling struggling there to get, get around the edge. Uh, Terrell Lewis there out of Alabama, 6'5", 256 pounds, got a sack. Uh, they ran a twist, um, shot through the A-gap, and was able to drop the quarterback. Um, showing good speed. But, but again, can the guy stay healthy? That's really my biggest concern. Um, now, we're talking about linebackers, a guy that many people probably haven't seen or don't really know of, um, but you know he's got the long hair uh, sticking out of the blue helmet, and that's Christian Rosenboom, 6'2", uh, 230-pound inside linebacker, a three-time captain, um, over 100, yard, or 100 tackles a season ago. This is a guy who was shooting holes downhill, very uh, sure tackler, thumper downhill, violent hitter, uh, real nose for the football, 365 career tackles coming into this game. Um, you know, he was a hurdler in high school, can run a 4-6-40, um, quarterback run off the edge, gets off the running back block, able to wrap up um, there on the outside. Um, you know, a guy who I thought showed you know an ability to pick up the running back out of the backfield, did get sucked up on a, on a play action, um, so he's got to trust, um, you know, have better awareness. Um, but that downhill ability, you know, I thought was something that really stood out. I thought he struggled a little bit in coverage, like I said, could be a little bit better, a little bit more refined, but uh, Christian Rosenboom is going to be a guy to watch for as the season progresses. Now look, Paulson Adebo, why people even throw his direction anymore, I have no idea. You know, he was the guy who led the Pac-12, I'm sorry, not just the Pac-12, but all of FBS in uh, passes defended. A season ago, um, you know, Adebo just has the he has the ball skills. He's a receiver, or a, I'm sorry, a converted receiver. And uh, you know, on the day he finished with five tackles, two pass breakups, and an interception. Now, you know, what what makes him so special? Again, the route, the recognition there with the routes. Um, you know, just the the. the the awareness, you know, understanding what his receiver is going to be doing, running the routes, sometimes even better than than the the receivers were. Uh, did get trucked once by one of the running backs. Uh, uh, Isaiah Bowser ran him over, um, but just knows how to how to put his put his body uh, in position to make a play. You know, there's a, gave this uh, gave a receiver a ten yard cushion, uh, let the receiver really come up. You know, uh, those ten yards ran an out and. Uh, right there at the sticks, and there was no wasted movement. Just basically broke right on the football, and uh, was able to. Um, it was a throw over to the to the wide side, so that was a longer throw. Got a good jump in, and, and able to pick off the pass. You know, really next level stuff, le- next level awareness. To me, Paulson Adebo is the best cornerback, and 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 uh, um, you know, but Jeffrey Okuda, if there is anybody else that's out there it, that I can make an argument, it's going to be Jeffrey Okuda. And, and Jeffrey Okuda, I thought, you know, he, he does a little bit more 
in, in the running game. Um, you know, he, he comes downhill playing in the box. He's not afraid to hit people. He's going to be physical as a tackler, uh, force the ball free on a hit to, to the running back. Um, you know, he, he likes to come up and jam receivers, likes to come up and hit you a little bit. Um, as, as I said, um, just played tight coverage, you know, all game, um, you know, did a really, really good job just um, staying right on the receiver's hip, no wasted movement, able to undercut the route and, and get his hand in to knock some football, knock some passes away. Those are my clear-cut uh, top two corners uh, more than anything else. I thought Mike Hampton really hurt himself for South Florida against Wisconsin. Uh, was repeatedly beaten by by Quentin Cephas, or I'm sorry, Quintez Cephas, and uh, you know he, he was holding, um, and it just it wasn't a good look for him. I thought he really struggled mightily at times. You know, on the flip side, you had someone like like uh, Trevin Diggs. Um, you know, played up on the line at the 50-yard line, turned and ran with the receiver, was in phase right on, on the receiver's hip, got his head around looking for the football. Um, ball was thrown kind of to the inside, uh, able to go ahead and elevate, leap up, make a pick. Uh, I think Trevin Diggs is the guy who's continuing to get better um, and someone to keep an eye out for, absolutely. Um, Let's see. Isang Bassi for for Wake Forest was the number two tackler for the team there against Utah State. And then finally at the safety position. Didn't get to see Grant Delpit play. I thought Richard LeCount was was all over the place for for Georgia. Um, Played a little out of of position and out of control at times. Um, I thought Aloe Gilwin really showed some physicality coming up, playing in the box. Also showed some range getting to the outside against run plays. Uh, Julian Blackman got to return an interception for a touchdown for Utah against BYU. But the star of the game, or at the safety position for me, was Xavier McKinney. 6'1", 200 pounds, um, you know, picking up tight ends um, you know, and able to, to cover the tight end at, um, down the field, in phase with the slot receiver down the sideline, very sure tackler in the open field. Um, you know, on a fourth and three play at the Bama 37, an in route was run by uh, by one of the receivers there for Duke, uh, Scott Bracy. Um, one yard shy of the first down, really closed in a hurry and arrived just after the you know just as the ball was arriving. Got you know real tight coverage. Got his right arm in, so really right arm in, reaching for the football wasn't you. Know, Bracy wasn't able to reach and extend that football for the first down marker, and so he was holding on to the ball with his right hand, wrapped him up with the left hand and really drove him away from the from the line I'm sorry from the line to get, which ultimately caused Duke um, you know obviously the, the, the turnover on downs. Coming downhill, playing in the box, showed excellent range, was also the deep safety as well. To me, Xavier McKinney, um, you know, I think will draw comparisons to uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and has a chance to be a top 15, top 20 pick when it's all said and done. Um, there's some other guys um, who I thought made made an impression um, as we look through all of my the games that, that I got to watch. Um, how about Rutgers? You know, you're going to sit there and ask, well, why are we talking about Rutgers? Um, Rutgers hasn't been all that, that relevant uh, lately in, in the Big Ten. And you'd be you'd be correct, but at the same time, you know, playing UMass, I thought uh, you know Raheem uh, Raheem Black here, uh, five nine, hundred ninety two pound junior, 
showing a burst down, uh, you know, burst to the hole, showed some good lateral quickness as well. But uh, I thought the the receiver skills was really what stood out more than anything else for me. He was someone who was catching the football out of the backfield. He's going to be one of those versatile running backs. You know, probably won't end of the draft this year, but a guy who I think could potentially be uh, a guy to talk about in uh, in the 2021 draft. Uh, I thought Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, uh, a guy who I need to put into my linebacker top 10, um, showed excellent speed getting to the outside against the run uh, the running back to drop him for loss. Next play, he's rushing the passer. Coming off the edge, uh, showed tremendous ability to bend, um, run the arc, um, really getting good leverage, excellent hips, turning the corner, um, could drop into coverage as well. He's a three-down linebacker, and he's a guy who I think is going to be rising up draft boards when it's all said and done. Uh, Zach Bond, uh, really his first year to really showcase his ability. I hadn't gotten to see too much out of him, uh, but somebody who stands out for me. Isaiah Rogers out of UMass. Is going to be someone to keep an eye on as well. 5'10", 170-pound senior. Had two interceptions. Uh, was a dynamic uh, kickoff returner uh, in this game. Um, you know, I thought he did a really good job on, on a comeback route uh, along the sideline. Was able to drive on the football, uh, get his inside hand in to knock the football away. Uh, on another play, uh, on the hip of the receiver on a go route, quarterback put the pass up, underthrown just a little bit, was able to elevate um, and really box out the receiver, go up and, and haul in one of his two interceptions. Uh, to me, he's somebody to definitely be on the lookout for. Um, Elijah Cooks, 6'4", 215-pound junior, um, but he was making you know incredible catches there for, for Nevada. Um, you know, Extended over his head, plucked the ball out of the hand, basically just palmed the ball. Um, I thought that was pretty impressive. Only a junior, he'll be back. Um, George... Uh, Carl Loftus, um, true freshman, 6'4", 265, very athletic, strong at the point of attack, bends well, excellent leaper, uh, four-star recruit for Purdue, um, under the left tackle's pad level on a bull rush, drove him all the way back into the quarterback. Uh, Lorenzo Neal, uh, just so you know, the defensive tackle out of Purdue, nine months recovered from uh, ACL surgery, did not play in that game. Um as we make through, make our way through, Isaiah Hodgins, I thought, you know, really looked good. He's 6'4", 210-pound junior, uh, playing against Oklahoma State. Uh, excellent route running ability, um, hands catcher. Um, there was one where he ran a ran a comeback route and really just kind of uh, had uh, Rodarius Williams turn around. I uh, thought he made a great play there. Um, you know, for Memphis, running back position, Patrick Taylor, uh, speed to power. You know, I thought you know that was one of the things that stood out to me. 6'3", 223 pounds, kind of an upright running style, um, but a guy who can run with power between the tackles, has a good burst to the outside. Memphis isn't afraid to throw to the running backs. Had showcased some pretty good hands as well. I thought that was something that stood out. Uh, Jack Stoll uh, of Nebraska, 6'4", 260-pound, junior tight end. Showed some good hands in the passing game. A guy who was able to get um, down the field, up the seam. Um, let's see. Anybody else that really stood out as I go through go through my notes here? Um, let's see. I already talked. Oh, uh, Ben Skoranek. Um you know, he was a guy, you know, 6'4", 215 pounds, not a blazer by any means, but a guy who just, 
is a savvy route runner and a guy who just knows how to get open. And, uh, you know, quarterback, uh, whether it was Hunter Johnson or, or TJ Green, uh, able to find him because he just always, like I said, just always seemed to get open. Um, so that was something that stood out as well in that game. Um, J.R. Reed really proving to be one of the leaders of the secondary there uh, for Georgia. Um, Wisconsin linebacker Logan Wilson, 6'2", 230 pounds. You saw number 30 all over the field making plays. Um, Had three touchdowns in his career, two by fumble recovery and uh, one on an interception. Uh, Michael Walker for for Fresno State, I thought, you know, really showed his sideline to sideline speed. Had 15 tackles and, uh, you know, on a fourth and one play, shot the A-gap, blew up the play at the mesh for a tackle for loss, uh, turnover on downs for USC. That was a critical uh, point of the game because uh, that game was in doubt really for much of, uh, of the second half. Um, so those are the guys, I think, for me. Um, you know, Reed Blankenship. You know, I, I keep going through this, and I'm, I'm ready to move on, and I find another guy. Reed Blankenship, the safety out of, out of Middle Tennessee, 6'1", 196 pounds. Um, very instinctive, plays in the box well. He was a team captain, takes excellent angles. Um, like I said, excellent range, can play over the top, can come down in the box, plays all over the field. Um, I think he's underrated at the safety position. Um and then Neville Gallimore out of, out of OU, 6'2", 301, um, showed a really good burst coming off the football. I thought that was one of the things that really stood out, had a nice arm over and always seemed to be uh, pressuring the quarterback, getting into the backfield, making some plays there um, behind the line of scrimmage. So that really kind of puts a bow on week one. Those are some of the guys that I was watching for in, in those games that I got to watch. So let's take a look at what we have to look look forward to. Now, Friday, September 6th games, um, you know, we've got, let's see, um, Wake taking on Rice. Wake Forest, obviously, they, they beat um, Utah State. Um, you know, Rice playing Army. It was a 14-7 to game. Really, that, you know, Rice looks to be improving. And so I really want to see, can they take that next step? Uh, Boise State, obviously, they have Hank Bachmeyer. Um, really want to see uh, Marshall, Ty Tyler, Please let me see that matchup. Ty Tyler against uh, left tackle Ezra Cleveland um, on Saturday the 7th. Let's see, Ohio State. You're going to see Chase Young and that vaunted Ohio State defense take on Michael Warren there for Cincinnati. Had an ankle injury against UCLA. He should be okay for that game. Uh, and then you have um, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, very mobile, making plays outside the pocket. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. I really want to see K.J. Hill take his game to the next level because he's somebody who kind of struggled at times, you know, had some drops uh, there last week against FAU Uh, JK Dobbins, you know, if they need to just hand the ball to him and let, let JK Dobbins and and Justin Fields lead the way on the ground. If, if need be Um, as we work through things, uh, Rutgers taking on number 20, Iowa Um, Blackshear taking on that Iowa defense. Um, Let's see. What other games do we have? Kim Missouri rebound against uh, West Virginia. Uh, you know, Neil Brown, uh, Austin Kendall and company. Um, we got Utah taking on NIU. Another field day for, for Zach Moss, I'm having a feeling. 
Um, you know, a and I'm sorry, a and is actually taking on Clemson. So number 12 Aggies taking on Clemson. Um, that'll be a game I'm definitely tuning in to watch. I want to see what, what Travis Etienne, he only had, what, 13 carries, I believe, 12 or 13 carries for over 200 yards uh, and, and three scores in their first game, their route of, of Georgia Tech. They're taking on Texas A&M. They've got Justin uh, Matabuike there on the inside. And then, uh, you know, um, the quarterback, Kellen Mond, having a, you know, he, he's, he's slated to have a big year. And he's got Kendrick Rogers throwing, the, you know, to who he can throw the football to. That's going to be a fun game to watch. You're going to have uh, Adrian Martinez of, of Nebraska, you know, number 25 ranked Cornhuskers. They struggled to get things going in, in their win last week. They're taking on Colorado in Boulder. Let's see what, uh, you know, what Steven Montez can do. Um, you know, LaVisca Chenault going up against uh, Lamar Jackson, the 6-1 corner. That'll be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, let's see, what other games can we tune into? Alabama's taking on New Mexico State. All the starters will probably be out after uh, after halftime there. Um, UCLA against San Diego State. You know, hopefully Josh Joshua Kelly will be back. He was sitting out the entire game due to an ankle injury. UCLA really couldn't get a whole lot going on offense. Um I thought um, DTR, the quarterback, really struggled to get things going. Only eight completions on the year. And he's going to have Tarek Thompson uh, there for San Diego State, um, who had a ton of breakups um, last week. I think he had three pass breakups. He's somebody to keep an eye out for. OU's taking on South Dakota. They're in Norman, number four ranked Sooners. um, And and Jalen Hurts will have a a field day there. Um, Let's see who else. Can we talk about can Tennessee show any life against BYU? Uh, LSU's taken on Texas, so you'll get to see Joe Burrow, Sam Ellinger. Um, you know, really see what those guys can do. Um, you know, Joe Burrow, Texas defense. You know, not really as vaunted as as LSU. You've got Grant Delpit. You've got Richard Lawrence. You got Jacob Phillips. You've got um, you know a, a lot of guys. Christian Fulton there at corner. A lot of guys there defensively. What can, um, can can Sam Ellinger do? If this is a signature win for Tom Herman and company, this could vault Sam Ellinger into the conversation as a as a, a legitimate uh, day one, day two draft pick in the 2020 draft. Um, let's see. Oregon's taking on Nevada. Um, can Nevada pull off two upsets in a row? Not likely. Auburn taking on Tulane. They'll get to see uh, Darius Bradwell, Tulane. Um, you know, I was expecting, you know, in, in their matchup uh, a week ago, they were going to potentially struggle, uh, and they wound up um, ended up winning going away. Really want to see what uh, what what Darius Bradwell can do there, um, you know, against uh, that Auburn defense. Uh, let's see. Miami taking on UNC, the upstart uh, Tar Heels behind the freshman Sam Howell. Uh, what can Mac Brown and company do there? Liberty, Antonio, uh, Gandy Golden had a nice day against Syracuse, over 100 yards receiving despite the fact that Liberty lost um, and got shut out. They'll take on uh, Louisiana. Louisiana actually played Mississippi State pretty tough. I think the final score was 35-28. They were in that game. 
Cal's defense. This is going to be the first true test for Jacob Eason, number 14 ranked Huskies at home against Cal. Um, you know, I think the Huskies end up winning the game, but that Cal defense, can they really confuse things there for Jacob Eason? That's going to be something to watch out for. Uh, Minnesota at Fresno State, can they um, rebound? Um, yes, they won, but they barely won by the skin of their teeth against San Diego State. Uh, Fresno State, you know, really showed uh, with with Jorge uh, Reina quarterback, showed that they can be in ball games uh, against a program like USC. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Fresno State comes in and beats the Gophers there in uh, in Fresno. USC staking on uh, the number twenty three ranked Stanford Cardinal without KJ Costello or JT Daniels a quarterback. Walker Little also out. Um, you know, I, I want to see what uh, what the fabulous freshman uh, Drake Jackson is going to do there at, at defensive end for USC, um, especially when you know you've got Foster Serrell. Um, I thought he struggled at times against Notre, um, against Northwestern. Um, this is a game that you know if JT Daniels were in, I'd almost favor the Trojans to win. Now that they have Keaton Slovis, you really don't know what they have. Um, Stanford Davis Mills, another guy who. He's not hasn't really played much at the collegiate level because of performance of KJ Costello to this point, but he was one of the high you know he was actually the highest ranked quarterback prospect, so he's got that going for him. You know I think he was number one. And I want to even say Tua was number three in that draft class, um, and Hunter Hunter Johnson was number two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so when you think about that, you know, that doesn't really bode well for the Trojans, but, you know, tune in, watch Michael, uh, Michael Pittman, um, the receiver on the offensive side of the football, Christian Rector at defensive end, USC is a young team, um, you know, Keaton Slovis, watch out for Paulson Adebo, watch out for number 11, don't throw his way, um, really, you know, he's going to be out there on that island, just forget about trying to pick on him at all. Um, just when you think you've got him out of position, he's got you fooled. Don't do it. So that wraps up episode five of the Ready for the Draft podcast. We'll take a look at all of those matchups that we just talked about. I'll see if I can get in another 20 to 25 games uh, over the weekend. Um, we'll be back. I'll, I'll record my next podcast on Wednesday. I'll be able to get through the games and uh, be able to bring that podcast to you. I'll make sure that I have it recorded and released by Thursday of next week. Um, so I apologize for getting this released a day late. But like I said, when you got all these games to get through, the 27 games over the course of five days, that's 55 teams to take a look at. After a while, you know, it it it, uh, it becomes daunting to try to get through, um, you know, a, a three and a half hour game, um, you know, all the way through. So. Um, I'll make sure going forward, you know, I don't have five, five days worth of games to get through. Um, I just have Friday and Saturday. So I'll make sure to bring all of that to you. We'll take a look a little bit more at my, my top 10, um, what that looks like now after we've gotten to see the first game or two um, during the season. I'm not going to update my, my top 10 on the website just yet. Let's wait after week two. Let's not make any rash decisions. Does... Um, my top 10 makes sense right now 
or do do I need to make changes? Like I said, I think Tua's the number one quarterback in this draft class, and uh, I think he really showed that. Um, so that makes perfect sense. I think Tylen Wallace may have to move up at the receiver position. I think Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne, I had them above uh, DeAndre Swift. I moved DeAndre Swift up because I thought he was a better pass catcher. But guess what? Uh, you know, if, if you've got Etienne and you've got Taylor actually catching the football out of the backfield, that's a scary proposition for defenses. You know, obviously with the tackle position, Walker Little, Alaric Jackson moving down in the in the in the left tackle, or I'm sorry, in the tackle rankings. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, a guy to keep an eye on, potentially being the number one tackle when it's all said and done. Solomon Kinley moving into my guards. Um, obviously, I think Ben Bredesen is number one though. Um, Shane Lemieux, I thought might drop just a little bit. Um, Tyler Beatus and, and Creed Humphrey definitely the number number one and two centers. Jake uh, Jake Hansen, I thought performance against Derek Brown drops him a little bit. A.G. Epinesa, I really want to see if he can perform uh, going forward. I thought you know he was really kind of a lackluster performance against Miami of Ohio. I want to see him start making some plays and uh, that production. You know when you're coming off the bench. Uh, you know, it's a little bit easier to to affect the game when you come in off the bench than as a starter and, and really the high-profile guy. I want to see if he can rise to the occasion. That's something that I'm going to be looking for there. Um, you know, Xavier McKinney, um, you know, he's a close number two to, to Grant Delpit. Now, look, Grant Delpit is going to be the number one safety, but I think Xavier McKinney is, is going to be that second safety that you could potentially talk about as a top 15 pick. I thought he was all over the field. I thought he played very well. Um, so those, those are some of the guys that I'm going to continue to watch, continue to watch out for. I'm going to be looking for some consistent quarterback play. You know, I thought there were some flashes from a lot of the guys there at the top, but I really want to see some consistent quarterback play and guys, you know, what can they do when they're actually under pressure? Do they fold under pressure? Um, you know, does that completion percentage drop or do they rise to the occasion much like Baker Mayfield, um, you know, really becoming just as accurate, even, you know, if not more accurate when they are under, under pressure, what do they do with that? Are they able to step up in the pocket, you know, make those, those subtle sidestep, you know, sliding to the left or right to avoid the rush and still keep those eyes down the field, make plays both with, uh, with the arm and the legs. That's something that you really want to see because that translates to the next level. That's what I'm looking for. I want to see which guys could translate, you know, their game to the next level um, because the game is changing. You know, you're looking for guys, you know, like linebacker position. You're looking for guys who can be three down linebackers, guys who are those uh, hybrid safety linebacker combos. They don't have to necessarily be the the the, the big guys that are 250, 260 pounds. You know, you're going to be looking for a lot of those guys who are going to be um, – the athletes who can who can cover the slot or can cover the tight end or the running back out of the backfield, um, and then you know some of those those nickel backs, you know those are some of those undersized uh, corners, you know those are guys that are going to have to play some of those receivers out of the slot, and you know there are homes for some of those guys. Now you know I, I think you didn't see that quite as much. A lot of times they were looking for the big, tall, rangy corners. But, you know, some of those smaller corners are going to have a home at the next level. So those are going to be things that I'm going to be looking for as well. Um, so just a little bit of insight into what I'm going to be looking for, like I said, over the next few weeks. Um, so until then, enjoy week two of the college football season. I know I will. 
Until next week, enjoy yourselves. And for readyforthedraft.com, this is the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.